Hey, here we are at episode eight of season five of the Simplify Multiply show. Thank you for being here. You are the reason why I do this show and I invite my guests on to share their wisdom and wit. And uh, we definitely have a lot of wit in this episode and I know you're going to enjoy it. And by the way, if you're enjoying this show and this series and Simplify and Multiply, please give us a five-star review and tell us what you think. And you can also email me at terry at better3.com if you have any suggestions or topics you'd like to have covered. All right, so let's go ahead and have our wonderful conversation with Bruce Turkel. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply Show, hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply Show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Bruce, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Well, I got to tell the listener that Bruce and I spent like the last probably 45 minutes just joking and cracking up and laughing. <laughs> it's taken me this long just to press the record button so we could start this episode. So Yeah, you did I tell you, by in- the way, I'm out of... I'm out of time. That was it. <laughs> I used up all the time I had scheduled <laughs> and I got to go. Uh, See, I'm warning you, this is going to be a fun one, so stay tuned. (laughs) So Bruce, 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 Bruce. Okay, let's get serious here. We are talking about creativity, and you and I have very similar backgrounds in the advertising and marketing world. You still speak on so many of those related topics today, but to get our listener up to speed to what you are doing and who you are, if you could just kind of give us a little context and then we'll be off and running. Easy. Uh, went to design school, went, got out of school and went up to New York to work at an ad agency because if you want to be an art director at an ad agency, you have to work in New York. It was post Mad Men. I'm not that old um, and I don't drink that much. <laughs> but anyways, I did that for a few years. I moved back to Miami because I missed the water and I worked mm. at a couple agencies as an art director and a copywriter. And uh, at some point I thought I could do this. So I went out and started my own agency. It was what my father fondly referred to as the confidence of ignorance. Oh, and he I was, that. uh, that's that a, a good book line? title, by the way. Yes, it is. I, and I, boy, I could write that book. Um, yeah. That's your next one since you just finished one. (laughs) Hey, I don't know how to do this. Do you? No, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. That's like that Cheech and Chong joke. Mm, Good thing we didn't step in it. Yeah, good thing. Anyways, we'll save that for another time. So started my own business, had no idea what I was doing, but I figured it out pretty quickly. Grew the business. We had offices in Latin America. We had offices here. We worked for a lot of brand name clients that you would know. Discovery Channel, Bacardi, Hasbro, Miami Tourism, uh, lots and lots of those. Sold off the Hispanic agencies first to an agency in Spain. And then three years ago, I sold the domestic agency and I decided that my new business was going to be completely focused on the three things that I'm good at. And I wasn't going to do any of the things that I'm not good at. 
And that's what I've been doing. And I've been just loving it. And those three things are? I see how that works. All you got to do is set the hook and bam, <laughs> you get to we reel gotta it in. You got to close the story loop, Bruce. Come on. That's right. Close the loop. So I'm good at three things. Um, I see things differently than other people do. That's my superpower. I see creative solutions. I, I squeeze the sponge and the colors come out. I'm really good at that. I'm really good at expressing those ideas. I can write. I was a copywriter. I've written seven books. I can draw. I have a design degree and an art degree. I can speak on stage. Um, I can play music. So I'm good at coming up with ideas. I'm good at expressing those ideas. And I'm good at getting people excited about those ideas. Mm -hmm. After that, the implementation, the details, that part, eh, not so much. So in my new life, I decided I'm going to focus on what I'm good at, and I'm not going to do the other part of it. And I think that when you come to that type of a realization, it has, it's like there's a point in life that that happens. And for me, it happened after my husband passed away, and I got rift out of Marriott, which I thought I was going to literally work until I retired. And it helped me see what I was doing and what I was good at, like my superpower, in such a way that I wasn't going to take any crap anymore. And I was going to do it the way I wanted to do it to have more fulfillment in my life. And it took me a while to figure that out. Talk about the ignorance of confidence. <laughs> it takes a while. Um, one yeah. of the things you probably heard it, and I heard it all the time, is people would say advertising marketing is a young person's business. And I always thought, because I heard it all the time, and I always thought it was because as you got older, you would lose your creativity. I thought that as an obnoxious young Really? Person. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But what I found as I've gotten older is, in fact, I am much more creative because I have more confidence. I have more, I have more to draw on. I'm more comfortable with what I'm doing. So it's not a matter of losing your creativity. I find what you lose is your patience. And whereas when I was younger, I was willing to put up with having to explain what the idea was over and over and over again to people who didn't get it or having someone say, well, my daughter went to art school and she doesn't like what you showed me or whatever. I don't have the, I don't have the patience for that anymore. And yeah. I think that's why so many of us like you, like me, who get to a certain place in the marketing world go, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm just not putting up with this anymore. It's not our inability to do our job. We're actually better at our job than we ever were. It's our inability to put up with the crap. And that's why at some point you need to say, okay, is that all there is? What else am I going to do? And go figure out how you're going to change your life to fit you because you're not going to change anymore to fit life. Excellent point. And that's a great segue into this conversation around creativity. And when we look at a solopreneur, people like us, people like my listener, who are out there doing their thing, running their business, focused on their expertise, delivering and serving their clients, it's so easy to get kind of stuck in a rut of doing the same thing over and over, right? So like once you have that rhythm going, you've got a successful product or service and you're delivering, delivering, and then we lose the opportunity to really see our business objectively and to step back and actually revisit through creativity how we can make it better, how we can make it more interesting. And I think that what you just said is a perfect example of people who normally wouldn't do that for whatever reason, you know, trying to just use the business as an excuse from the standpoint of busyness, like I was talking last in last week's episode about creating time, having time and making time to be creative and to do things differently in your business or revisit that. 
And so when you have someone who is committed to making their business better and looking at it from a creative lens, what are some of the things that you've seen work in your business as a solopreneur that would be an interesting way to look differently at a solopreneur's model? Well, I agree with everything you said, and I think there's something we need to add to it. You know the famous story, I won't go into it in detail, but you know the famous story about the hedge fund that buys the dairy farm, and they come to look at the asset that they purchased. So they say to the farm manager who's showing them around, the bankers say, what's that? And the farm manager says, well, that's the barn. That's where the cows live, and they spend most of their time there. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, we get that. What's that? And he says, well, that's the feedlot. We bring the cows out there and that's where we feed them. And of course, they're going to turn that grain into milk over time. Makes sense. Got that. He says, what's that? And they say, well, that's the milking shed. We bring them in there. We have the equipment in there. And that's where we're able to milk them and, and get the product. Oh, okay. That makes sense. He says, now explain something to me. I see a lot of cows here, but they're just standing out there in the fields. What are they doing? And he says, well, that's where they graze. Oh, Okay, so then when they get the report back, they say, barn makes sense, feedlot makes sense, milking shed makes sense, but we can get rid of that whole grazing thing. They're not doing anything. They're just standing around. Mm -hmm. And I think when we think about creativity, we think about the time we spend thinking, if you use the old school way people think about creativity, painting or drawing or writing right. or whatever. And so when someone says, hey, we need to be more creative, you say, well, you need to spend some time thinking about it. However... I think we need to spend more time grazing. The problem is creativity is not a switch. You don't turn it on and off when you want, and you never know where or when the ideas come from. But what I do know is that it is multiplied input, meaning you take in as much as possible. To use the sponge analogy again, it's like a watercolorist taking a sponge and sucking up all of the colors on their palette, the lilacs and the, and the purples and the blues and the yellows and the greens, and they suck them all up in the sponge. Then when they need a color, they can squeeze the sponge and the color comes back out, but it doesn't come out the way it went in. It mixes together in some weird way. If you want to be more creative about your business, you have to be more creative, period. And to be more creative, you have to spend more time feeding that creativity, meaning going to museums, looking at artwork, listening to music, reading business books, reading novels, reading poetry. I don't know where you get inspired and where your ideas come from. I'm sure they're very different from where mine come from. Traveling, watching movies, whatever it is, but you take all this stuff in. Creativity is not creating new ideas. Creativity is creating taking old things and combining them in new ways. Mm. And the only way you know to do that is to see, smell, taste, touch, and experience as much as possible. Yeah, because it has to be stimulated. It, you have to have stimulation from within as opposed to just generating a solution from within. There has to be an external awareness. There has to be an external stimuli in order to cause that creative engine to uh, run a little differently. That's right. And also, think about what you're trying to create is a solution mm -hmm. to a established problem. I want to change my business. I want to make my business more fulfilling. I want to make my business more profitable. I want to make my business have a greater purpose. Whatever it is. And if you're not taking an input... Then, as the old expression goes, you're getting high on your own supply. You're sucking your own exhaust. And if that's all you do, 
you might come up with a solution, but you won't come up with a creative solution. I mean, it's like a painter. You can paint whatever you want. But if someone says, no, 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 I need to get this idea across, then you need to go do some research. You need to learn about those things. You need to understand them so you can then bring out that creativity to the, um, to the charge of a solution instead of just creativity for the hell of it. Yeah. And that's where the whole problem solving slash innovation aspect of creativity comes in. And, and this whole season, I've been having great conversations with my guests about distinguishing creativity from the perspective of innovating, problem solving, creating something anew by, like you said, you know, taking existing things and just morphing them, changing them, adjusting them, mixing them. Uh, and and creating something new. And sometimes it's just a different way to look at something or express something, kind of like as you were describing what you're really good at in the beginning of this conversation and how you look at things differently. And what is it about that looking at things differently that seems creative to the observer of what you're doing? Well, one of the things I have found is that I think actually when it comes to this sort of solution-based creativity, that the word create actually puts us on the wrong track. Because mm. in my old life as an art director and a copywriter and then a creative director, we called ourselves, and you did too, creatives. That was sort of the heading that our, we worked in the creative department. Yep. And again, I was an art director and a writer, and then I became the creative director, meaning I was directing the creativity. And I think that's a mistake. I don't think we actually create anything. I think what we do is we uncover things. I think we find things that are already there. The, the great metaphor, of course, is when Columbus discovered the New World. Well, he only discovered it as far as Spain was concerned or Europe was concerned. The people who were already there, they knew it was there, right? The, the people who were eventually called Indians because <laughs> yes. he thought he was in India, right? So if he would have said, I have discovered the New World, they would say, well, first of all, it's not that new. My grandparents and my great-grandparents lived here. And second of all, you didn't discover anything, dude. We're already here. Yeah. But from his point of view, from his Eurocentric point of view, it was a discovery. Mm. And I think we make the mistake of thinking that we are going to create something completely new. Now, that those things do happen, but it's right. very rare, number one. And number two, from a marketable point of view, if you create something that doesn't exist, there's no market for it. Nobody wants it. Yes, eventually they will want it, but think about how many products failed because no one knew what they were. I mean, the iPod was not the first MP3 player. A mm. company named Creative had one. Uh, Microsoft had one. I believe Sony had one. It's just that nobody knew what it was, so nobody wanted it. And it wasn't mm. until Apple came along and figured out how to create the whole ecosystem for right. the iPod. That some, because they, what they said was you can have a thousand songs in your pocket. You can keep your songs, buy your songs, trade your songs. And that ecosystem made sense because it was no different than the old crate that we used to keep our records in or that little <laughs> tube that you, or that box that we kept our cassettes in, yeah. except this was the digital version. But if right. someone said you want a digital music player, you would say, why? So I think we do ourselves a disservice and actually set a bar that is uh, maybe too hard to reach or too hard to jump over when we try to be creative. And I would rather see us looking at solutions as discovering or rather uncovering the solution. I like that. I'll, that's a good reframe, Bruce. I appreciate that. Well, because, even, 
especially coming from both of our backgrounds where creative did have a very deep meaning in how we executed uh, our professions. And, you know, I, I went to art school too, right? So I, I get it. And it's funny because the work I've done, like with Compass Playbook and my workshops that I used to do, I my biggest obstacle obstacle was getting people to have a distinction around creativity that wasn't tied to being artistic. And some people had some incredible breakthroughs because they got to disconnect uh, their definition of creative, meaning I can draw a straight line, I can draw a circle, you know, stick figure kind of thing, and move beyond that, which was really powerful for people because then they could actually step into that, as you so called it, <clears throat> excuse me, as you so called it, the uncovering and the discovering of what could be. Well, I love that you said that. That's brilliant. Because I know that when I'm up on stage sometimes and I'll be talking about this and someone will say, well, I'm not creative. Mm -hmm. I can't even draw a straight line. Right? Yes. We've all heard people say that. You just said yeah. it. And then I'll say, wait a second. There's nothing creative about drawing a straight line. And then I'll take a straight edge. And it doesn't have to be a ruler, by the way, Terry. It can be you know, a pad that's laying on the on the dais or the yeah. lectern or something, or a book, and then I'll take a magic marker and I'll go, zoop, look, straight line. There's nothing creative about that. Yeah. Didn't take any thought. And and a lot of the things that we think are creative, being able to draw, being able to play a musical instrument, that's a, that's a learned skill. Skill, exactly. If you're in a band and you're playing, like I used to play uh, trumpet in a, in, a, in a horn section and we would get hired by other bands. And they would hand us sheet music. Now, I can read music. That's a skill. That's not creative. Yes, I was interpreting it. But basically, I was reading the music and then I was playing it. I was good at it. True. But I wasn't being creative. That's no different than reading. When you read a book out loud, is that creative? No. You know how to read and you know how to speak. You combine mm -hmm. the two things. And then now, if you act out the book, if you're dramatic, if you know where to pause... And when to raise your voice and when to lower your voice, perhaps that's creative. Same with music. Except the music, it tells you when to pause, when to get louder, and when to be softer. People mistake skill, trained, learned skill, with creativity. They're very different. Yeah, I get that a lot when I'll, you know, build a web page and they'll be like, oh my God, that's so creative. I'm like, no, you can do it. <laughs> Just got to <laughs> read the book mean? and follow the instructions. I know. I know. That's why we have a billion web designers out there. <laughs> yep. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's let's bring this a little closer to my listener's world. And if we have the solopreneur who's kind of doing their thing and they might be in a rut or they might be looking for a way to simplify their business or maybe come up with something that could help them deepen their niche or offer something that they're starting to see a request for uh, from their clients. Like, I keep hearing this same kind of problem that a lot of my clients are having. How can I come up with something that I know I could deliver that could either augment something I'm already doing or make it even more powerful as a, a way to deliver results? What would be some of the creative or innovative or discovering slash uncovering exercises or approaches that they could do to make that a reality? Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. 
I challenge you to be more creative in your business, to innovate, to simplify. But if you're thinking, I'm not creative, or I don't have time to brainstorm ideas, or even my business is just fine the way it is, well, I'm gonna challenge those assumptions because they will kill your profitability. They're all stories and excuses preventing your business from being better, from running smarter, from being more satisfying and fulfilling for you. Wouldn't it be great if your brand, products, and processes were able to do more? To resonate with your target clients more effectively? To be a more personal experience for existing clients? To become relevant again instead of stale and dated? Yeah, I thought so. So if you'd like to pump some vitality back into your business using creativity, innovation, and simplification, book a free creativity call with me by visiting pappychat.com. Give your business the battery jump it needs to provide more stability and profitability. Get your free creativity call on the calendar now by visiting pappychat.com. Let's you and I brainstorm something amazing for you and your business. The first thing, and you just described it without realizing it, I think, it's the title of my last book, All About Them. Stop thinking about what it is you provide and start thinking about what it is they need. Not the thing they need, but the solution they need. Mm -hmm. And if you start to think about that, all of a sudden you'll say, well, if they need to accomplish that, I have the capability of doing A, B, and C. And I could put A, B, and C in service of solving that problem. Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking, how can I be the best solopreneur I can be? Or how can I be the best practitioner I can be of whatever it is you're practicing or you're practicing? Um, you need to start thinking, how can I solve their problems? My biggest belief, it's what I write all my books about, it's what I, the thought I try to get across when I'm up on stage, is that good brands make people feel good, but great brands make people feel good about themselves. So if you solve their problem... You needed someone to come speak on your show. You invited me. I have now solved your problem. Mm -hmm. I make you feel good. Wow, I hired Bruce. He did a great job. He's on the show. <laughs> I, I shouldn't use the word hired because that suggests you're paying me. But um, yeah. no. I'm not paying but, you. No. I, well, I'm giving you, you attention. In, in, in That's attention how I'm paying you. <laughs> and in, right. And, in, and getting the word out. No, but the point is, so, so I can make you feel good by showing up on time, by making sure my equipment works, by doing all and knowing what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But a great brand makes people feel good about themselves. So yeah. if I understand what it is you want, for example, what you want mm -hmm. is to provide a real service to your listeners. Yes. Then if I can do that, if your listeners come back and say, wow, Terry, that was awesome. We're going to listen more often because you really gave us value. Then you feel good about yourself. I've done my job. So my suggestion is stop thinking of your business and your marketing and your outreach as a bad blind date. Meaning, stop thinking about yourself, stop talking about yourself, stop worrying about yourself. Start <laughs> thinking, talking, and worrying about your customer. Yeah. When you do that, what you'll find is that your solutions are both more implementable, if that's a word, easier to put into action, but more importantly, they're more desirable and they're more profitable because yeah. it's not what you want to sell. It's mm -hmm. what they want to buy. 
Yeah, and I'll add to that. And thank you for bringing up that point because what I'll, and I'm just kind of wired to think that way. So that's probably why I, I kind of led your question that way. But what I'd also, what I also want to point out is the objectivity that we can bring to the table because that customer or that client is not, they're so close to what they're doing. They're not seeing the opportunities for improvement. Their struggle in their, their struggle is in their struggle. Well, one of the things, yeah, absolutely. And and here, let me give your listeners a, a great line. I use it all the time when I don't have experience in the client's industry. And they'll say to me, well, why should I hire you? You don't know anything about my business or my industry. And my answer is, that's exactly why you should hire me. Yeah. You can hire plenty of people who know your business and can tell you how it used to be done and can let you know if you're doing it the way other people used to do it. Mm-hmm. But I can look at your business and say, how about this? How about that? Why don't you try it this way? I can say everything from the emperor has no clothes to, oh my God, did you ever think of turning it like this? Here's a whole completely different way to look at your business because I have no preconceived notions. I know how to brand. I know how to market. I know how to get businesses messaging strategy set up. I can learn about your business, but I'll never know as much about it as you know. And you don't need me to know that. You need me to know how to get you to stop doing what you do and start doing what you could do. I love that. And, you know, it it made me think of something really interesting is when you have exposure to unfamiliar environments, conditions, industries, whatever, that you don't have that already always listening, you know, where you're like, oh, yeah, I know that's how it is because I've done that before. And so you have no opening in your mind for any opportunity for new ideas to come in. So when you are exposed to people or things that are outside of your vertical, to use a marketing term, that it can actually work, it can serve as a way to stimulate a parallel situation and use it in a different context. So that way you can say, all right, if someone's having a problem with sales, why had a client who was (laughs) selling milk, (laughs) you know, and, and you could use some correlate from that into providing uh, an idea or a different frame on something that 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 person's having. And I think that that when you were talking earlier about get exposed to things that stimulate your creativity because it's an ongoing thing. Well, those things are also environments and things outside of your, you know, normal routine, normal exposure. And that way you get to look at things very objectively and get ideas on how you can find solutions in your world. I think that that's really important too. Absolutely. I think you should listen to types of music you don't necessarily care for. I think you should look at artwork that you don't necessarily like. I think uh, you should try to see other experiences because your taste level is not the ultimate arbiter of what's good, bad, creative, not creative, Mm -hmm. or anything else. You should try to absorb all of that. The other thing to keep in mind when you talked about the the expertise in an audience is if you look at all the great disruptors, and you've heard this before, I'm not the first to point this out, but if you look at all the great disruptors, they did not come from the industries they disrupted. The Uber guys didn't come from the taxi cab business. The Airbnb guys did not come from the hotel business. Um, And each one of those industries, Jeff Bezos didn't come from the retail business. So each one of those businesses were shook up by someone who looked at it and said, well, why the heck do we always do it like that? What <laughs> yeah. if we tried this? And of course, all the people in the industry, oh, no, 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 no,
<laughs> well, you know what? Apparently you can. Yeah. So I think it makes a lot of sense to actually step outside your, your comfort zone and say, what if we tried this? What if we tried that? Now, what are some of the other things that that solopreneur can maybe look at in their own business outside of just, you know, focusing on the customer? Like if they're doing something internally that's just laborious or they don't have a good system in place or let's say, for example, they they want to stop traveling as much and they want to do more things virtual. And so they go out and they learn all this stuff about delivering virtual content or whatever. You know, they kind of follow the well-worn path of what other people have done. You know, if you want to do this, you need to do that. What are some of the things that maybe they could approach differently to find a solution that might be even better than just following the crowd? I think that people tend to look at that from the wrong direction. You gave them a hint to the right direction. That was a great question because you use the words, what do they want to do? And do they find that particular task laborious? Yeah. I think what the problem is, especially those of us who are in business for ourselves, and we have responsibilities. So it's not just a lark. It's not just, hey, what do you think of this? But we actually have to pay mortgages and kids' tuition and all that sort of thing. So we yeah, have the reality. And, and <laughs> payroll and taxes. Yeah. yeah. So we need a revenue stream is we start thinking in service of those requirements instead of thinking in service of what do we actually want to accomplish? Yeah. If I hate doing something, well, there's a reason why I hate doing it. And yeah. so the question becomes, how can I eliminate that so that I can spend my time doing what I'm good at and what I love to do? Sometimes you can just stop doing it altogether. Right. Other times you can delegate it. Other times you can job it out. Other times you can reduce and do less of it. But if, if, we, if we think that business as usual is business as usual and, hey, we continue to do that because we always did that, well, that's really a problem because at some point those things we always did become actually the driving motivators to fulfill those needs. And those needs don't get us where we want to go. So we really need to stop and say, why am I doing this? Not why am I doing this task, but why am I doing this greater thing? For example, if we're solopreneurs, are we solopreneurs because we wanted freedom? Because we wanted to run our own lives, have our own businesses, tell ourselves what to do? Well, that was only true until we started working. Once we got employees and landlords and bank loans and everything else, we are no longer working for ourselves. Right. So maybe our motivation got kind of lost along the way. If we're, if we're solopreneurs because we wanted more free time or because we wanted to travel more or we wanted to travel less or whatever, I don't want to put words in anyone else's mouth, at some point we forgot that. And actually yeah. the infrastructure wow. of what we're doing started to take over. And it's critical to know what you want because as the old saying goes, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to know when you get there? Yeah. If you don't ask the right questions, the answers don't matter. If you don't have a personal goal to reach, then you might as well do anything. If it's only to make money, then go figure out the way you can make the most money. But if it's to have a life, it's to, if it's to do other things, then remember that. And that brings up another point, which is you have to celebrate those things. If you decide, I want to follow my own path, I want to do this certain thing, understand that there's some advantages and there's some disadvantages to mm -hmm. that. You're going to suffer the disadvantages whether you want to or not. But you have to remember to celebrate the advantages. My daughter, when she was in college, uh, she, she became a vegetarian at eight and a vegan at 16. And she decided 
that she wanted to work to make the world a better place for animals and to get people to stop eating animals. And she was going to work for PETA and on and on and on. All that is well and good. She had a dream. Her best friend decided he wanted to be an accountant. And so he knew exactly where to go to school, exactly what degree to take, where to go to graduate school, where to get an internship, because being a CPA comes with a, a track. He right. knew what he needed to do. And if he didn't do those things, he would not have been a successful CPA. Allie, my daughter, was kind of upset because she said, Ian knows exactly what to do. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't if, with what I, And I said, sweetheart, you've decided to forge your own trail. There's a huge advantage to that. You're going to have all this fulfillment and you're going to make the world a better place. But it comes with a disadvantage also. No one can tell you how to forge your trail. I can't even tell you as much as I love you and want to give you good advice. But what I can tell you is the frustration of not knowing where, what to study, not knowing what degree to get, not knowing where to work. You're going to suffer from that no matter what. So mm. when you get that degree, she got the job at PETA. She now works for Farm Sanctuary. Be proud of that. Be happy about that. You're not going to make as much money as your friend Ian either. You never said that being rich was one of your goals. So when you can't afford something and it upsets you, keep in mind also that you don't have to work till four in the morning doing someone's tax returns because you chose something else. You yeah. have to have that balance. If you don't, then go do whatever makes the most money. Don't yeah. even think about being a solo. And being a solopreneur generally is not the way to make the most money, but it's a good way if you want to live your own life. Yeah, and I, I think that most people who uh, choose either reluctantly as a result of, of being riffed from a company or deliberately as, you know, they just wanted to do their own thing for, for their reasons, it's, it's something that we do need to get reminded of. And the fact that we chose this for a reason and that we can create what the life we want to live in this business, that we don't have to adhere to uh, the, the well-worn paths. So I, really, I really like how you frame that up and use your daughter's story as an example. That was probably the best part of this episode, was really celebrating and, and looking at why, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I don't think we ask ourselves that question enough, Bruce. I really don't. Because we're always so tactically focused around, you know, fixing a problem. It's short-sighted. It's short money. It's dealing with the fires that are going on today. And day after day after day goes on and on and on. And next thing you know, you're at the point where it's like, why bother? And you forget. You forget why you, you know, it's just like being married, what, almost 34 years, you said? 34 in two weeks, yeah. Yeah, it's like you forget what it was that attracted you to your wife to begin with. You've, those things are not because you change over time. And okay, I think you said that, not me. I want to be <laughs> no, no, very no. clear, honey. I did not say that. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> no, but I'm trying, I'm using your example as a model of, of proving what you just put together for us. And that's a real understanding of like, because we're different people than when we first started out, right? We're, our priorities change. Our, I mean, look at the, the story that you shared about your, the evolution of your career, right? How things changed for you. And I know that when you've been married to someone for 34 years, you have been committed to making that work. And that's the same way a solopreneur has to do it. They have to have that revisit to why they originally made the choice to go down that path 
Is it about money? Is it about fulfillment? Is it about freedom? Is it about flexibility? Is it about doing things my way? You know, because it's the right way. All of those are fine. Yes, exactly. I'm a big believer in a single word, which is intention. Yes. I used to tell the account executives in my agency, before you call the client Mm -hmm. for your weekly call, your daily call, whatever it is, know what you want to have happened when you hang up. I tell people who want to be speakers, I say, before you get on stage, know what you want the reaction to be when you're done. Mm -hmm. When clients hire me, I say, when I'm finished, when I'm off the stage, when I leave, what do you want people to say to you happened? Have an intention in mind. If you start a business, understand what it is you want from that business. I mean, sure, we all want to build a business that we sell for $750 million and we get a jet plane, right? I I get that. But that's not necessarily the reality. It might happen, but it also might not. So understand what the intention is, and you should really do that before you do anything of any consequence. So then you can decide along the way, am I getting what I want? Now, you're going to have to zig and zag. No business strategy ever survives five minutes with the consumer. We all know that. And things change. Look, three weeks ago, nobody was talking about and anything that's happening today, but every three weeks, every month, things change all the time. Whatever's going on today, you didn't know about a month ago. So things change all the time. Mm-hmm. However, as long as you can look back and say, here's what I meant to do, you can grade yourself on how you're doing. And by the way, if you need to change that intention, that's okay too, as long as you're intentional about that. But don't just be a boat adrift in the water and just go in any direction because mm-hmm. sooner or later, the trip's over. Yeah. And when the trip's over, that's it. So that's try it. to get to where it is you want to go. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Really great insights, Bruce. And I so thank you for, for just having this conversation and just chewing on the idea around creativity and I, I, I love this last part. I mean, you know, just really acknowledging and celebrating because so much about this podcast is about finding a solution and here, try this and look at it this way. But I, I love that you brought it to that because I'm a big believer in appreciating every little thing that we experience in life, period. The people, the experiences, the food, the weather, you know, the the comforts that we get to experience and you know, the clients we work with as solopreneurs. And I think it's so important that we do celebrate more. And I think from that celebration can come inspired ideas to make life for ourselves and for our customers and clients better. So thank you so much for being here. And I've so enjoyed our conversation. We have to do this again, for sure. I I would be delighted. Just remember, celebrate everything. I love it. Fabulous. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you, Terry. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.